Hello and welcome back to the Thundersticks Podcast. I am your host, Ben Kreider, and today I'm going to be giving you guys recaps of not one, but two games. We had two early risers on Saturday and Sunday. First one went up against the New York Knicks, and today we took on the Memphis Grizzlies. So I'm just going to go one by one on these games, kind of give my thoughts on them. We'll kind of see how this goes. I know you guys are probably anticipating the one today a little bit more, so I may cut it a bit short on the New York Knicks game, but you can find that full article. I have a really detailed kind of game recap every single game on my website, kylesingler4mvp.com. Terrible domain name. I need a new one, but you know, if you guys have any suggestions, just make sure to tell me. You guys know where to find me. Click on my name in this podcast episode it'll take you to my twitter but anyways just getting into the first game against the new york knicks did not have shea gojas alexander also did not have darius Baisley. this is the first time we have not seen darius Baisley step on the floor in a contest it was due to a shoulder contusion for him with shea gojas alexander he also was dealing with an injury wasn't that serious though but yeah, so those two are out. You have to throw in pretty unique starting lineup to kind of make things work out. So they have Teo Maladon starting at the one. Not really a surprise there. Dort, he gets moved down to the two guard position. Pokachevsky takes the three spot. And then you have Isaiah Roby at that four and Al Horford at the five. So you tend to not see that, especially when you look at Roby and Al Horford together. I mean, you see it, but it's kind of in sparse minutes. Seeing him in a starting lineup is pretty wild. And then Alexei Pokachevsky, do not sleep on him, getting his first starting nod of his career, not at the four, but at the three. A seven footer, seven foot three wingspan at the three guard. Three guard, what am I saying? He's that small forward. How are you going to defend that? And at first, they couldn't defend him. Pokachevsky had the first assist of the game he ended up getting the basketball and then he just immediately he was right wing immediately kicks it out like a tap pass to Teo Maladon that is going to be cash every single time so you get up three to zero and you kind of keep going with things you get a cross court heave to Lou Dort for a layup so his sense of ball movement kind of just fell onto the starters as well because their first three of field, field goals they all came assisted they were up seven to two to begin the game and they kept fighting they were up double digits five minutes into this game but the Knicks they were able to get on a 6-0 run to kind of cut that advantage that was built up and Oklahoma City's lead it kind of wavered around five points for most of that time and then you got Lou Dort coming in I mean he was just dominant in the first penetrating and you had Moses Brown who snuck into the roster he was getting some nice jams under the baskets they were up 31 to 22 through that first quarter and it was kind of crazy because Mark Dagnall looked to everybody for the game nine players came out in the rotation you know how many people played that whole game nine everybody saw minutes to try to prove themselves in New York they just could not adapt Oklahoma City shot 71% to the 44% posted by the Knicks. That's not going to cut it for you. But the Knicks, they ended up kind of figuring things out. And it came through rookie guard Emmanuel quickly. If you guys remember, Oklahoma City actually drafted him. 
but not really. One of those things where you use that pick and then you just send him off. Got him and McDaniels end up getting Pokachevsky back pretty much. There's a couple other things added. I think Ricky Rubio is there, but whatever. Emmanuel quickly has been an amazing player for the New York franchise, and I think really what happened, Tom Thibodeau, he's a pretty good coach, and we had Moses Brown out there. Moses Brown, seven foot two, pretty crazy wingspan. It's right around seven foot four, maybe like seven three and three fourths, but I'm going to round that up anyways because it makes it sound so much better. Anyways, the thing with him is he doesn't really get off the ground for blocks too much. He kind of stays grounded. He'll put his hand up, but he doesn't really close that gap, especially on pick and rolls. Now, it's due to necessity sometimes, but there's times where he can actually switch onto the guard and there will be enough time to kind of get back on the other end of the play, whether it's a full-on switch or he moves back over. You don't see a lot of hedging from him, that's all. So the Knicks were just picking him apart. They were going to quickly, runners, floaters, anything you wanted, middle of the lane, these were wide open, and quickly is a master when it comes to those shots. So he was just getting those in. He had six points in the first two minutes of that quarter. He already had double digits about 15 minutes into the game. And Oklahoma City, they didn't have that reliable number one option. So they were looking to just pass until you find an open man, which is a great philosophy. Anyways, they were finding good backdoor cuts. Ty Jerome was really active. He just rifled a bounce pass to a cutting Kenrich Williams. He had a man smothered all over him, fitted in like he had like a one to two inch gap of making it work out. And he got it right on the money for two points. And then I think the benches kind of just battled together, and there wasn't a lot of give in this one, but by the end of it, the Knicks bench got on a stretch to make it a one-possession game, and whenever the starters came back in, the Knicks were just super-duper chippy. So they got their first lead in the quarter, and they closed this half on a 15-2 run. Oklahoma City... You know, they kind of fought back a little bit, so they didn't close it out. There was a couple minutes left. They were able to help out a bit, but they were down 56-54 to by halftime. And then in that third, Al Horford, he ended up getting the first five points of the period to reclaim the lead. But then you got the Knicks just putting pressure back on. They got on a 14-2 run and they just kept going in for the floaters i mean no one was kind of adjusting to that and mark dagnall actually used al horford and moses brown together during this time so that kind of made it a heap of trouble offensively it kind of works because you can have horford outside but whenever you get down to okay now you have either moses brown or al horford on a four which would be julius randall you're gonna get kind of cooked alive because randall way too athletic he can slash inside and his Fadeaway game is actually very refined right now. So they couldn't answer that. And then the quickly floaters were still dominating. So you get on that, and that's kind of where you get into danger. They put Roby in for Moses Brown, and it showed a little bit of promise. But then they just started shooting threes. They went four of eight in the third, and they were able to get up pretty high in that quarter. You know, they, the Thunder, they they were trying. I mean, they got the looks that were necessary. They just weren't falling. They shot 43%. Nick shot 56% in that time. So they were up double digits, 88 to 78 in the fourth. So it was still a close game. But, you know, it's kind of a sizable advantage, especially under the terms of what was going on and what options were kind of available. 
But then you got Justin Jackson. Get this. He comes in and gives a little bit of life. I mean, he accounted for the first seven points, hit a three, hit a layup, and then he drove in, found Moses Brown under the basket, and he is just super stocky. <laughs> he's damn near looking at the rim, so he just got to lay it in when he's wide open. So there you go. But then New York, they got on another major run, 15-4 this time. They were up 19 points, and that's when it was kind of over. They ended up winning this game by a total of 22 points, 119-97 to for New York. They actually got above the 500 mark. They are currently at 20-19. and They are barely behind the fourth seed, so that's kind of a shocker for the season. For OKC, they're still kind of a surprise. They are 16-22 and after that game. Obviously, they played today. But after that, they were 16-22. and 22. That is 12th seed in the Western Conference. But just breaking down this game, not a primary option without Shea Gilgis Alexander. You know, they tried, and they found some resources. Lou Dort, I would say, he was pretty good. 14 points, 6 rebounds, 5 assists. The main thing was he was getting a line because he only shot 2 of 9. That's 22%. But he shot a career-high 10 free throws and drilled them all that is something you want to see from Lou Dort you don't want to see him playing passive he's not playing that way anymore you give it to him at the corner he'll either shoot it if he's not feeling it he'll just drive in create the contact and welcome to the free throw line my man take your two shots Al Horford was good too he led that team in points he had 16 points on seven of nine field goal shooting also I had five rebounds and I kind of like how he was able to fill in with Moses Brown wild that it didn't work out with Joel Embiid but with Moses Brown they actually were able to make things work offensively defensively eh, it's a little bit more murky but definitely a lot better fit with Brown than Joel Embiid Kenridge Williams was good too he had 28 minutes so he's getting pretty much starting time coming off the bench of course but he had 13 points on six of 10 shooting just a backdoor master and he needed someone to kind of thread the needle ty jerome was that guy 11 points five rebounds and five assists off of the bench and he even was shooting pretty well you know he loves shooting the steph curry range shots sought in orlando continued doing it in the first four games he had with the team and then you had the all-star break but he's come back kind of trying to do that still he had that shaky one of eight start i believe it was the last game before this one but was two of six and you know he's a real threat and moses brown he took his talents mainstream now you know i'm not gonna be all like complaining or whatever because i know you know he's on the thunder he's beasting everyone's gonna be talking about this guy but i just want to tell you guys i have been with this man from day one with the oklahoma city blue I mean, covering every single game, you saw the same stuff in Orlando as you're seeing today. And that is what is wild. The fact he's able to translate kind of over. Didn't have a double-double. He's so close. Nine points, nine rebounds. And for 21 years old, the way he's able to kind of immerse himself in the paint is just scary. And he hasn't filled out his body yet. As I said, he's kind of like, he's stocky. You know, he doesn't have much muscle to him he's listed as like 240 pounds i don't know about that if he's able to actually grow you know get pretty big i would say teams are gonna have to be very scared of him because offensively like rebound wise he is going to kill you every single time he'll get the putbacks necessary he actually forces triple teams 
at times. You know, you see it, tech, like, typically they're trying to trap him, and that's good basketball. But even in a normal play, like in the post, you will see a lot of extra pressure coming, and he'll still take shots. I think the only knock with him is sometimes he'll take double teams without kind of realizing, oh, I'm getting double teamed. Let me find who's open in the perimeter. That's something that's going to have to kind of be wrinkled in and ironed into his game. I know with the blue, it didn't really matter. Maybe it does now. Definitely does now. Just something I, I would say I noticed from that game. But overall, very good for him playing 26 minutes to kind of get up like he did. Isaiah Roby and Justin Jackson, they both had 10 points apiece. Isaiah Roby does things differently. You know, he is a three-level scorer pretty much. At least I, I think so. I think when you look at it, you're going to say, well, he doesn't have a high enough sample size from downtown. You know, when he does shoot it, I mean, he's wide open. <laughs> he's open all the time. I'm not going to say, you know, I, I'm i not going to rule out that evidence. I think he can definitely shoot a wide open three-pointer. Justin Jackson, you know, he can, and he's a high-volume shooter from there. It just doesn't click sometimes. It clicked in this game, and that is what mattered. Isaiah Roby was just driving in. He didn't take shots. Jackson was the one shooting. Alexei Pogachevsky, he actually had the most minutes in the game for the Thunder, which is wild. 29 minutes for him. Only had four points, though. Not the best game. Two of 11 from the floor. And, you know, he was taking a lot of shots off the catch and shoots. I know he had a lot of wide-open mid-ranges that he kind of pulled up into. Just, you know, didn't have the right side of the rim, I guess you could say. Kept hitting, like, the inside of that cylinder. Just kept popping out. So... You know, kind of gave those seedlings for a better game, and you know, maybe he might have done that on Sunday. Major thing with him is he just couldn't make a three. I mean, he shot 0 of 6, and that was kind of that. When we're looking at what the Knicks were doing, like I said, it was just kind of driving in. You know, you got Julius Randle. He had a triple-double. I think he had a career high of like 12 assists or something crazy, and then, you know, I... I don't even know what was going on quickly. Like, he was just left so much daylight, and he took advantage of it. So he got 25-plus on the game as well. Anyways, moving on to the, you know, Thunder Memphis Grizzlies game. This one was a hell of a game. Didn't have Darius Baisley still. You got Shea Gilgis-Alexander back, but here's kind of where the blows start coming in. You didn't have... Some of your typical faces coming in. Maladone, he was out for this game. Lou Dort was out for this game. Al Horford had to rest on that back-to-back. So the only usual starter was actually Shea Gilgis-Alexander. And that means you have to test out again. And what you've seen uh, in the past is you go with like Shea, Kenrich Williams at that two-position kind of plug and play whoever you want at at three spot you know you always have Darius Baisley there so that's never been a concern it usually be like a Justin Jackson Baisley and Isaiah Roby didn't have that option today with Baisley out so you'd probably say a Justin Jackson and then like a Pokachevsky and Isaiah Roby working in there that's not what happened I was so surprised this was a total curveball to me they had Shea at the one Ty Jerome was at that two position, which I totally understand that. You got Alexi Pokachevsky at that three, Justin Jackson at the four, and Moses Brown at the five. So you keep Kenrich and Isaiah Roby coming off of the bench. That was like, why would you 
be trying to do that. Now, I know, as you know, Dagnall said, he's trying to explore the roster. That's exactly what that would be because Williams and Romy have established themselves, yet you know, he's still want to look towards some of the younger prospects, and I loved it. Anyways, at the beginning, it didn't look... You know, that's great for the Oklahoma City Thunder. They were keeping things close, and the thing was, they had options, but it was not from Shea, and that's really where you start getting into trouble typically. He shot 0 of 4, 0 points, but others. Alexei Pokachevsky was leading the Thunder through 12, 7 points, 2 of 3 from the field, hit a layup hit a three, and then got to the free throw line, he is going to hit them both, and then you had Moses Brown, who still is just right under the rack, who's gonna stop him, Jonas Valanciunas, please, give him six points, and they looked like, you know, they would have been just good, even without Shea, what they couldn't prevent, though, was the Memphis Grizzlies offense, they shot 20% better than the Thunder, 62.5% to 42.1%, the saving grace though came from the free throw line, 10 tries for the Thunder, they hit all of them, Memphis didn't even get a shot at it, so they were still down, Thunder still were down, but it was not nearly as bad as you kind of would imagine, it was still just a one possession game through quarter number one, the score was 31 to 28 in the Grizzlies' favor. But in that second, Thunder rattle off a major run, 13 to 3, kind of setting that tone and putting the pressure on without a traditional point guard. You did not have Shea playing to start that second unit. You had pretty much been calling upon anybody. Pokachevsky was playing point guard minutes at one point. So it was kind of crazy. And the Grizzlies, they kind of found their spark just working down low for the foul shots. They were getting kind of that leniency down there, so that's where they found all of their success. And then Mark Dagnault's bunch, they were kind of just trying to reinvigorate themselves because they did have that run, got taken right away from them, and they tried playing kind of up-tempo. I would say the issue was there were a lot of turnovers to be had. This was a very sloppy quarter and probably a very sloppy game, on their standpoint of things, they had eight turnovers in that quarter. You cannot do that, especially whenever you're giving up freebies on that other side. And even whenever they're not getting points off turnovers, you see them going to line 12 different occasions, made nine of those 12 foul shots, and you just can't keep up with that. Thunder only had three makes from the charity stripe. So the Grizzlies were up. 62 to 55 at halftime that's where you kind of start looking at you know who should we bring in are we trying to just come right back in this game answer absolutely alexi pokachevsky talked about that big first quarter third quarter does it again he hits two triples in the first three minutes and i can't even describe the kind of energy that was coming through this play after play you had perimeter shooters pull up jumpers catching shoots they were all going in first you saw Pokachevsky do it you saw Darius Miller do it I think Justin Jackson even did it and Shea he got in on the action five of the first seven field goals came from the three-point arc for the Oklahoma City Thunder how are you going to be able to combat that as a Grizzly 
you really can't. They were playing good defense for the most part. Now, whenever Pokachevsky's shooting over you, you just got to play with the odds. I mean, you got to say, he doesn't make most of these. Whatever. I know I'm not going to be able to get in that guy's grill. And they couldn't. And the odds were stacked against him. He was on fire. So they both go in. Everyone is kind of just feeling it. And they just want to kind of stay around there for the majority of that time. However, in the process, you already know you can start playing some five out when everybody's making their shots. And that's when Shea got slippery down low. Not always having to go for the layups. When it was there, he took it. But you know how good he is at passing out. And when you got to set high ball screens with Moses Brown because he can't shoot, that means you're going to have Moses Brown right on the basket if two people bite on you. The Grizzlies kept doing that, so Moses Brown started feasting inside. That's when Taylor Jenkins has to call the timeout, try to regroup everybody. He actually had pretty moderate success there, not too bad, because they started finding openings in the paint. They had 16 points in the paint in the third, and they were getting to the glass. So, yeah, you want to shoot your threes. We'll contest it. We'll get the boards on the other side. Keep forcing it. Let's get the board over Moses Brown. We will be all right. They did it. Five extra shots at the rim. They were up 100 to 90 going into the fourth quarter. So that's kind of a major challenge for a Thunder player's perspective, really. I mean, you have a more kind of refined lineup. You know, you have John Morant in there. You have Jonas in there. Brandon Clark was playing. Kyle Anderson was actually feasting. And Melton was pretty good too so you had that formidable starting five kind of just got your bits and pieces here got to come to together coagulate and make some sort of run and they did that because they hit two straight triples again let's cut it down to four points in the first minute and they were just keeping this game on edge Darius Miller was seeing time and he was not letting it go to waste. He cut it to a one-possession game off of a four-point play. Nine minutes ago, hits the three, timeout in between, and then he hits the free throw. Game is knotted at 104. Just a possession later, you find a layup. And Memphis, they were trying to kind of bolster their lead back up, but they were falling victim to Sunday's biggest threat. Alexi Pokachevsky. He was playing like an absolute star. He still was going at it. Catch fire three right in your grill. Right wing. Let's take the lead at the midway point. And they ballooned it just a little bit later because Darius Miller got hot again with a pull up three. Four point game. Sides were kind of trying to exchange blows for the ensuing minutes. But a Shea Gilgis Alexander step back three got back into the agenda, couldn't feel it earlier, now he was on fire, makes it 8 point lead with 3 minutes to go, imagine that, in a matter of 9 minutes, you outscore them 18 points, Memphis was trying to get their momentum back, prying that Thunder lead back open, but it got wiped out, and Isaiah Roby kind of put the nail into the coffin, he slashed in from left wing, got past his first man, met a defender at the rim, was somehow able to stay up in the air, cradle the basketball, flip it up, bank shot, get up 11 points with a minute to go. Grizzlies, they made a valiant effort late, but too little too late in that final minute. Oklahoma City ended up taking that game 128-122. to 122. 
So from the Thunder's perspective, and I guess from both, this was a pretty major game because the playoff race is kind of tight. And the deal with the Memphis Grizzlies is this. They have not played enough games to kind of be on level with everybody else. They had that major week just infected with COVID-19. Health and protocols kind of got all of them. So they just wrapped up their 35th game. They're 17 and 18 right now. While the Oklahoma City Thunder, they are 17 in 22 so they played a little bit more games they are at 39 right now so kind of comes into you know how does that end up working in terms of you know playoffs and the games back system a little bit funky right now but as it currently stands the Oklahoma City Thunder actually moved up to the 11th spot they're looking right below the Grizzlies they have a two-game advantage over the Thunder, but they are officially past the New Orleans Pelicans right now. Pelicans 12 games back of the first spot. Oklahoma City are 11.5 games back, so getting that half-game lead, pretty wild, and actually, I thought it's pretty funny because after the game, I forgot which, I think it was like Fox 25, it was, some, it was some news station, some sister station, and the reporter was asking, you know, I think he he was trying to go for like a targeting question like are you guys trying to win but then he backed off the question and Mark Dagnall didn't really respond to that one I just thought it was pretty funny he kind of went back to the you know we're looking and exploring this roster so he goes back to that I really wish he didn't back down I would have loved to hear what Mark Dagnall had to say about winning especially whenever you don't have four out of your five typical starters so I I thought it was pretty wild the whole entire post game press conference is were pretty, pretty sweet, but I don't think you guys want to hear about the standings. You guys want to hear about the stars from Sunday showdown, and it starts with Alexei Pokachevsky. He is in the record books, and this is not just a franchise thing. Well, it could be in the franchise thing because he's the first member of the franchise or the youngest member to have a 20.10 rebound performance and in NBA history, youngest player to have a 20.10 rebound five or more made threes game he didn't finish with just 20 points though he had 23 points in this ball game nobody on the memphis grizzlies was able to stop this man you will not be able to see the greatness through my voice sure you know i'm trying but if you guys really want to experience what happened you're gonna need to check the youtube highlight reels because he was feeling it. These are typical shots you see from Pokachevsky all night long. I'm talking pull-up threes. I mean, he's doing acrobatic passes all over the place. They were just all going in. These are the shots that everybody complains about, laughs at, put him on Shaq and a fool. How the hell did he airball three times in a row? Swishes three times in a row. Swish damn near every single time. 7 of 13 on the game, 5 of 8 from distance. 23 point outing with those 10 rebounds Darius Baisley's career high 23 points season high for Baisley this year has been 22 so he already surpasses him in a year standpoint and overall tie him up not trying to make any direct comparisons I just thought that was a cool little tidbit you guys might want to know but anyways you know for him it was something that Dagnall was stressing like it's going to be kind of sporadic he's gonna have a one step forward one step back game and he's prepared for it I guess he's tried to tell 
Pokachevsky about that too. And he said this game was a two-step forward game. Maybe he goes back down one, but you still got that one-step gained from this night. So he said... This is going to be a game where if he's ever kind of feeling down, he's going to know what it feels like to kind of dominate, and he sure did. He was probably the number one factor as to why the Thunder won this game, and he didn't actually lead the team in points. There were a lot of contributing factors, but this guy was the X factor. He was getting so much attention. By the end of this game, he couldn't get the ball for more than a second, and you know, there were a lot more options, but they were just closing him off. I guess partially he didn't want the basketball. But, you know, they the Grizzlies, they were not going to settle for him touching that thing because they were scared as hell. They probably didn't have the right knowledge on this guy. They probably said, you know, he's pretty good at shooting, so or he likes shooting, so just close out on that and you should be all right. Nah, he was not just doing that in this game. Going in, going outside, finding whatever he wanted. He almost had five assists, and if he had five assists... You would have been able to put him in way more stat columns for all time. With those four assists, get one more. Boom. That looks even better for him. But this performance was just, it was just wild. I mean, just seeing kind of the lid open up for him was amazing. This is something where he had a 14.8 rebound game not too long ago. Those were both career highs. And that was like a, that was a moment where I literally made a post dedicated on my website to his night because I thought it was that good. I might have to go ahead and double down, make another on this man because he was twice as good. Nothing was phasing this man and he still had the audacity to make be making his typical street ball throws to wide open players. The no look passes do not end with this guy and I think the boundaries are just unlimited here so you know there's everybody who's kind of just been complaining about Alexei Pokachevsky they need to shut up they're gonna have to shut up for about a week now because no one's gonna forget about this probably ever you know well I'm not sure about ever if he tops this again you know this is gonna be a, a consistent thing you probably don't remember this however you gotta shut your mouth now because everyone's saying oh he sucks he can't play just watch the just watch the highlights and tell me that you're not going to be able to say that. You know, you say that, you're going to get scolded, you're going to get laughed at in your right in your face, right in your face. So, I don't I don't know. I mean, he left me really just speechless from this game and he deservingly so was the one who got to talk to Nick Gallo at the end of the day. He was just kind of talking about how he was able to develop with the Oklahoma City Blue and he gave him the confidence necessary. Definitely. I mean, I think with him, it's really just been a battle with confidence and it's not just been him. It's been Darius Baisley as well, where you got to be able to kind of find find your fi foundation and you got to build off of that. He hasn't really had that foundation. Things have kind of been constantly changing for him, whether it's dropping down to Orlando, coming right back up. Look, you're starting. Now you're not. Whatever. I mean, technically, he didn't have to deal with that. He's not going to deal with that as of right now, but he's just never had that game to kind of pillar off of this was finally that game it's got to feel really really good for him man and I don't know I mean I said the last time he had those 14 points that was his best professional game this was by far better than that this was his best professional game like come on you you can't find a way to solve him when he gets going and that's what we found out today when he's in rhythm you can try whatever you want 
it's not going to work because his size makes it so difficult to even do anything. And, you know, you will say, you know, maybe he's not that fast. For a seven-footer, he's fast as hell. His strides are ridiculous. We're talking Giannis Adenokounmpo kind of stuff, but tack it down a little bit. He's not Giannis's body right now. I'm not going to say exactly man i don't know i don't know he's just a lot less lesser of a version i think we can all kind of agree on that he's a, he's a pretty thin guy so he's mobile and he gets up there but whenever he gets up to his apex of a shot you can't really guard him and the shot is too fluent to kind of get him off his mojo so he was feeling it it was ridiculous to kind of see him but also i mean shay gilgis alexander too he had 30 points pretty effortlessly especially when you don't even score in the first quarter. That's wild to see from him. 8-17 on the game, 4-6 of six from downtown. Let's get the lid right off that basket, off those step backs. And free throws, leading the team. Lou Dort had 10 in the last one. Let's top him by 1-11 attempts. Only had 10 makes though, so I guess it kind of puts him on level ground. 4 rebounds and 5 assists. Those are great numbers. You know, you saw... A little bit before, I'd probably say like January to early February before he got that knee injury, he was actually a lot more centered on the kickouts, on the assists. You would see games where he was about to get, you know, triple doubles. Sometimes he would get double doubles with the points and assists and a little bit below on the rebounds. Hasn't really been happening, but it's fine because the points have been going just up and up. I think he's had 30 plus points in like his last three games or something wild like that. So he's turned into a superstar. I mean, the numbers he's posting are superstar numbers. Don't know if he gets that tag right now, but he's definitely a star. And John Morant could not could not do anything to stop him. Morant, you know, he was all right in the game. He ended up having 22 points, 7 assists. Not near as much of an impact as Shea. And especially because Morant was just trying to drive the whole time. He couldn't shoot 1 of 3 on triples while Shea just, as I said, was like a maestro. So, Shea... It's nothing new to see him working, and I think that his play, typically it's like a the other people's great play was a byproduct of Shea. I'd actually probably argue that his play was a byproduct of Alexei Pokachevsky getting hot and everybody getting hot to begin that second quarter. If it wasn't for that, he couldn't find the penetrations, and you know he wouldn't have found those lanes. When he found those lanes, he got to the line, he found the dishes to other players, and that's kind of where he feels his best. So I kind of credit some of his play to the others, and I guess that can kind of be attached to everybody. It's not a one-person show out here, and that's what I love about the Oklahoma City Thunder this season. Beyond those two, still a lot of amazing people to talk about. Kenrich Williams, 25 minutes off the bench. He's still getting the starting time. 17 points, 4 rebounds, and 3 assists. 7 of 8 from the floor. 1 of 1 from 3 and 2 of 4 from the line. There is a reason why Diallo got moved, man. He needed minutes, and they are giving it to him. He is working perfectly. I'm telling you, he could be starting. He deserves to be starting on this roster. They aren't doing it, and they're giving him the time right now. We'll see what happens with Baisley coming back. But damn, it's going to be tough to genuinely take time away because he has been just so so good and it's not just offensively like he's more of a defensive guy for most of the 
most of the time he's out there, it's more of a defensive thing. But he's starting to click on offense, and he's had those times where he is great, and then he'll fall back down. Whenever he gets himself some like involved, you're not gonna be able to deal with the man. Very, very great for his six foot seven frame. But yeah, just the cutting, the cutting, and I guess that's probably why they like him off the bench because there was no set point guard, and that leads to more kind of confusion, I guess, for opposing defenders because they know it's kind of a set drill that SGA is driving in off a high ball screen. They don't have that ability. They don't have that knowledge. And that's where you get the back screens going for Kenrich. And then he just drives in baseline and he'll get the passes through from, you know, a variety of different players on the roster. That's kind of where he fed off of. Even off the back doors, it, it wasn't just back doors. I mean, he was right under the rim for layups, chip shots. He's going to make the chip shots. Let's Let's not even doubt ourselves right here. And then you had others. I mean, the blue tandem. I already talked about Pokachevsky, but how about Moses Brown and Ty Jerome getting these starting jobs with Moses Brown, man? Damn. Damn, damn, damn. He has just been so wild. And I guess, like, for me, I'm super hyped when I just see the man, like, walking around because he still brings the exact same energy you'd think for a guy coming back up especially the way he is where he's kind of limited he would kind of shy away he has not shied away from anything so far and because that he actually gets believe another career high here topping his last one by one 13 points on the game only had four rebounds but you know, I'll give him a little bit of benefits here. He had some others to help him out in Alexei Pogachevsky. But he was 5 of 6 off of dunks and layups. And you can talk about all you want how, you know, I can make 5 out of 6 layups. Try that whenever you got Jonas Valanciunas smothered over you half the time. So he was able to work over them. I know Xavier Tillman was in there at, at uh, certain moments as well as Brandon Clark. But he just has found his rhythm. And it's not just an offensive thing. He needs to be able to kind of step up defensively as well. Had a steal and a block. So perfection from Moses Brown. 24 minutes in a starting gig. Get this man's contract upgraded. Lock him up to a rookie scale deal. I know he already played with Portland. We'll have to see kind of how the contract would work out there. But we need to sign this man. Presty knows it. Everybody knows it. Just a matter of time before we get that roster spot to do so. But he has been such a treat. Same with Ty Jerome. One of his better games again, 12 points, 5 assists, also had 6 rebounds, and he was shooting pretty good, 5 of 12 on the game, 2 of 8 from 3, still trying to shoot it, rapid fire, and they weren't falling, but it's cool, because as a team, nobody could stop the Oklahoma City Thunder, 16 of 31, that is actually one of the, I think it was the 4th time in franchise history where the team has shot over 50% from the field downtown on 30 plus attempts so Jerome maybe personally he wasn't that amazing but others kind of helped him out so his role has been more the point guard role I think that Teo Maladone has been an amazing playmaker but he hasn't really shown it a ton in the starting unit I think if he dropped back down to the bench you'd probably see a little bit more of it but Ty Jerome I think with him He's more like scalping around the entire area, and Teo, he does that too, but he's more, he needs that pick and roll, and I would say you don't really tend to see him trying to dribble the ball around unless the motive is just getting to the basket. Tydrome's much different. He will just kind of waver 
at the three-point line, and then he'll try to dribble around, do do all that stuff. Not just a point A, point B person. Maladon's not really either, but I'd probably say Jerome is a little bit less of that. Anyways, when you get to that, you get the threes, and you also get more cutting going on from the middle, because Maladon is so pick-and-roll heavy that you don't really see that. It's more of that Shea Gildas Alexander effect whenever Maladon is playing at times. You don't see it with Jerome nearly as much, so I think he's been a perfect fit. I know that there's a uh, real like motive and people are pushing for him to actually be starting I don't think that would be a very good idea because I think that splitting the ball between Shea and Jerome probably would not give you the best of both worlds from either of them with Maladone he kind of carves a little bit better as that catch and shoot guy who can help a little bit I think regardless like Maladone if he was as the one he'd be posting great numbers too but I think that Jerome sliding over to the starting unit probably would take a little bit more of a hitch than what we currently have. So I like him just kind of coming off the bench right now. And even in a starting job, he was amazing next to Shea. So he was still able to kind of make things work out all together. Justin Jackson, I mean, he only had four points, but let me tell you, I actually do think that he was a pretty good bright spot. He played 21 minutes, thought defensively he was able to kind of hold up. He had a steal, two assists, four rebounds, big time three that he made. Uh, one of three, I think that three that he made was during that major stretch in the second half. And then one of five, so you get the typical runners that don't fall in. But I actually really loved him. I mean, I seriously thought before checking this out that he was scoring double digits because that was the kind of impact, positive impact that he was having on the game Isaiah Roby off the bench he's getting the respect he played 33 minutes that was the third highest on the team Pokachevsky played 39 and Shea played 34 anyways he played just like he was starting at that five spot 10 points eight rebounds an assist a steal and a block all around master he has mastered everything and that's what i love we don't have the guys who just do one thing very well anymore everybody does everything good and you know they are able to kind of master some aspects and they're finding different things to kind of ace one at a time and when you already can kind of bend but not break at all the other areas it's perfect and with roby he has just dominated, I think, probably moving on up. With the people that he's able to guard at such a high level is ridiculous. And finishing has always been just... It's been so graceful to watch him attack the basket, slashing inside. He is not, you know, showing any signs of fear when he goes in. And I think defenses kind of are surprised by that. You know, whenever they have a clear weight advantage, they get up in the air and you know, they should be able to just block him. That's not going to work because he is able to kind of clutch up midair. That's what happened, you know, in this game to end it, actually. And, you know, that's kind of the that's the surprise factor out of him. And he didn't even want to shoot a three. And it's cool because he still was able to find himself on the board. And rebound-wise, he was leading that bench squad only second behind Alexi Pokachevsky. So I thought he was very great in that regard, too. And getting the line... That kind of adds more to that advantage that he has against the bigger players. You know, whenever he drives in, sometimes you can't just be in a vertical frame. You got to kind of move around to stop him from a, a shot because he is so slippery. So they make him test, shoot 66%. That's all right. Four of six though. So 
Very good from Isaiah Roby. And Darius Miller, too. 20 minutes. He sees his time, and he shined. 3 of 4, 2 of 3 on distance tries, and then 3 made free throws. One of those came off that 4-point play. Yeah, he was just a gunslinger. Right next to Pokachevsky, that's where he spent most of the night at that 3 while Poku was at the 4. And... It was just beautiful to watch. I think that they were kind of harmonizing together, and whenever they were together, they were that dynamic duo, really. I think Pogachevsky was really at his highest whenever he was with Darius Miller. So he definitely deserves to be playing. Now, he's 30 years old, and he doesn't really work, I guess, in the long term, but he can play, man. He really gives you the shooting that you need at that three spot. So I don't know if he's a movable guy, at the deadline if he's cool coming off that bench i would be all right just you know maybe keeping him around depending on how many roster spots we'd have man if we can move muscala if we can move al horford and you only get one guy back you have 14 you can move brown up you're good to go now if you get an option where you can trade ariza or miller you will probably take that open-handedly but i do think that he has been a great vet and if you ever need to call upon him He's really just like that Justin Jackson player, and I'd probably even say that he's a little bit more polished than Justin Jackson because he gives you exactly what you're asking for every single night, and that is the three-point shot. That's something you need in the modern-day NBA. Mike Muscala, he actually got to play, and it took a little bit for him to check into the scores table, but when he did, he was great. 12 minutes, 8 points on 3 of 4 shooting. He's saying, you know, not so fast. Give me some time, coach, and... Did a good job kind of proving to coach he should probably be playing. No surprise that he should be, but I guess, as said, they're trying to explore everything. Whenever you got a guy like Baisley out who is going to be taking up 30 minutes, probably is a smart idea to be trying out others. So we'll see what happens whenever Baze comes back. We don't have the timetable as of right now. And then you got Shvima Kailuk coming in. He didn't play, and we'll see what kind of goes on. I know Hamadou Diallo is not going to be playing for the Pistons tomorrow. So, I guess Monday. So, that might be the day when you're listening. Anyways, whenever we play our next night, we'll see if Shvi is able to come in for us. But a lot of things going on in this one. Very, very lovely to see. I mean, I'll probably come back tomorrow just even emphasizing a little bit more on some of these guys. Maybe do a player spotlight. We will see. But I really appreciate you guys tuning into this episode. Really sorry I was not able to kind of make this a, you know, a daily, you know, breakdown of the Knicks game and then the Grizzlies game. Hopefully you guys are cool with me packing them two together. Typically, I'd be like, that's fine. But with Pokachevsky going off, this would have been a hour-long video or podcast if I chose to do so. Anyways, not going to waste any of you guys more time. I hope you have a beautiful rest of your day. And I will talk to you all next time. See ya.